guys, welcome to the Twiniversity Podcast, a show created exclusively for parents of twins. I am your host, Natalie Diaz. I am a mom of twins. I am also the Twiniversity founder, and I am the best-selling author of the book, What to Do When You're Having Two. Our goal at Twiniversity is to make sure that you always feel connected, we laugh at the little things, and we really do get to teach you a few tricks along the way. And that is what we hope this podcast is about to do. So welcome to Twiniversity. Today's episode of the Twiniversity podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cybex. Cybex has a new game-changing car seat for your 20s. It's called the Serona M. The Serona M has Cybex's exclusive SensorSafe 2.0 technology, which is integrated right into their five-point safety harness chest clip. It syncs with the vehicle's receiver and a caregiver's cell phone to provide alerts to the child's well-being. And I'll answer the question for you, yes. Yes, you can sync up multiple seats to your app. You could also add your spouse, grandma, nanny, babysitter, and everybody so that everybody can rest assured knowing that your kiddos are always safe and sound when in the car. For more information on Cybex's Serona M with SensorSafe 2.0, visit Cybex-Online.com. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of our Twiniversity podcast. Today, we are talking about the top five sleep mistakes that parents of twins make. I'm thrilled, always thrilled, but I'm thrilled to have a very, very, very good friend, Kim West, with us today. She is the author of the Sleep Ladies Good Night Sleep Tight. She's also a clinical social worker and a sleep coach for over 20 years and continuously trains a bazillion gentle sleep coaches all over the world. So, when I said we got to talk about sleep, I said we got to talk to Kim. So welcome, Kim. Thank you, Natalie. All right. So, Kim, let's pretend that we weren't just talking for 20 minutes about our families. Okay. <laughs> okay. So that, so it's I haven't seen you in so long. So, no, <laughs> whenever we have sleep questions at Twiniversity, you'll notice already that we very, very, very often reference Kim's website, which is just thesleeplady.com. There are a lot of different, you know, sleep training, and I know Kim hates that word with a passion. It's like nails on a chalkboard for her. So there's a lot of sleep coaching methods. Kim, is that okay if I say that? Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. See, I'm getting, I'm learning from you. So, um, and I won't tell them about that one time you took me for sushi and then I got food poisoning and was dying for 48 hours. So we'll skip that, Kim. We'll save that for for another podcast. But truth be told, whenever Kim and I get together, she is not only an exceptional sleep coach, but she is really like such a, um, I don't want to use the word mentor because mentor would insinuate that Kim is this old lady that sits at a tower and she tells me what to do. She is the peer of peers is what I say. And I'm honored to have her in our stable of professionals at Twiniversity. And although she does not have twins, I always say there could be an oops pregnancy at this portion of her life. And then maybe, maybe because of all the time we've spent together, uh, that would happen. I also want to tell them that the first time Kim and I were ever together, we literally played in a ball pit. And it wasn't an adult ball pit. It was for children. But Kim and I, Kim and I decided that we were like, if there's a ball pit right there, there's nobody in it. 
Let's go get the norovirus that's waiting for us (laughs) in the ball pit. So, Kim, welcome to the universe. They they hear your voice a little bit on the live chats, but give us a little scoop. Tell us about how much you love twin moms. And then we really do got to get down and dirty on the top five sleep mistakes because you are the key to the answer that everybody's listening to right now. Oh, Thank you, Nat. You know, I actually uh, uh, wished that I had had twins. I have two singletons because I always thought, hey, one pregnancy, two kids. Sounds good to me. (laughs) Um, But I didn't get that opportunity. Um, I have worked with parents of twins and triplets and even quads um, from all over the world over these last, you know, 25 years. And I always um, am a little bit envious of uh, parents of multiples because I feel like there's more support in the parenting community for each other uh, and less judgment and criticism that you see. Not that I'm, I'm sure there is some, but it just seems like it's less. It's sort of like, look, we all just need to survive. Mm-hmm. How are we going to support each other free of judgment? And so when I've gone and talked to these um, multiples groups, it's like a you know, like a weight is lifted off. There's like a more, I don't know, lighter atmosphere. I just love it. I always wanted to get adopted into their parenting groups. <laughs> oh, well, I've kind of adopted you. I always, I think that the reason why you feel that lighterness is because we're just trying to survive and not be Instagram ready. Exactly. I think that that's it. But, you know, you bring up a good point, too. And I want to just remind everybody listening that Twiniversity does have a mentorship program. So even if you don't have a local club, we will match you up with a parent of twins somewhere um, close to you. So make sure you go to our website and you just click on the resources tab and you'll find it there. All right. Let's Mm -hmm. do this. Mm -hmm. Top five mistakes that parents of twins make. Tell me the number five. We're going to go backwards. Save the best for last. Mm. I know. I just, oh dear, that's a I tough tricked one. you because they're you know, probably all great. Yeah, it's interesting because I think that some of the mistakes, the the typical mistakes um, that I see less parents of multiples make because of that survival thing we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, so where a parent of a singleton could more easily not have a routine in the schedule. As an example, Um, you can't do that Mm -hmm. when you have two. I mean, you could try, but you'll probably crumble to your knees in in a very short order, right? Um, And so that's usually one of them that the, the parent is not sort of it's kind of two and one, not making sleep a priority and sort of having the day and night all over the place kind of dragging the kids everywhere and um, not creating a routine. Mm -hmm. And really our kids do better um, with routines. I think we kind of do too. But in the beginning, our babies don't have um, their own melatonin secretion and production. And melatonin is that hormone that regulates our internal clock. And so our, our babies don't have that for three to four months. Mm -hmm. So that's why you'll sometimes see them getting day night confusion. Right. And so by having a routine and, um, having a difference between day and night, that really helps to begin to make like a framework for our day and our night. All right. So now 
a lot of people don't really understand that. And I know that sometimes when people hire help early on in their after their delivery, you know, they hire people that are like, I'm going to guarantee that your twins will be sleeping through the night by the time they're three weeks old. And we try to explain to them that that is totally impossible. If they do, it's by coincidence, not by some miracle, you know, witchcraft that they were doing over your twins' cribs. So now when we are thinking about, like, let's say we already have a routine in place. So, mm-hmm. and we're, we're realizing that it's not working as good as we'd like to. And yeah, typically parents of twins, we are definitely, you know, bigger fans of schedule and routine because of that bonus baby that we have. And just mm-hmm. like you don't go to a preschool and they're like, no, we have no activity scheduled. Like you would never do that. So a parent of twins, that's our life. Our life has to be a little bit more regulated than a typical singleton. But when you work with your parents of twins, what are some of the mistakes that you see that they make? So like, let's talk about something that you've seen and you're like oh I went I spoke to this one family they did this here's how we fixed it um well you mentioned one by the way uh which is unrealistic expectations Mm. right which is kind of true for all of us um but you know not all even with twins not all twins are born full term Mm -hmm. You know, so there could be other medical conditions that are happening. And so we have or they're just premature and we have to factor that in. And so, yeah, they're not going to sleep through the night at three weeks and they may not even at three or four months. You know, things may be delayed, you know, particularly if there's, you know, feeding issues, you know, milk protein allergies. So I think that, you know, having realistic expectations and also focusing on healing ourselves mm-hmm. and adjusting um, to having babies in the family and being aware that, you know, 15 to 20% of women have postpartum mood uh, disorder yeah. and that we should get help and reach out mm-hmm. and get supported. It doesn't have to mean medication or stopping breastfeeding. So, I think that's super, super important. Oh, absolutely. In Twiniversity classes, so I literally just had a class last night, and so we were talking about sleep. And I don't know if you know this, but every time I teach uh, Twiniversity class, I literally bring you up every single time. Do you know that? Do your ears ring on every second Monday of the month and then every fourth Monday of the month because I literally talk about you. And I always use the sleeplady.com as a reference to fill in the gaps of stuff that I can't cover in class, right? Because class, the second part of the class, it's only three and a half hours. I can't talk about that much. Mm -hmm. But we Mm -hmm. do talk about typical sleep mistakes. So one of the things that I talk about in Twiniversity classes, I always talk about setting the mood and creating the ideal sleep situation. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm shocked at how few people realize how simple it is to set a basic foundation for a good night's sleep. So Mm -hmm. tell us some of the things that you recommend that Mm -hmm. parents of twins have to set the stage and what, Mm -hmm. instead of making a mistake by, you know, not doing X, Y, Z, what could they do to sit, to kind of, you know, stack the cards in their favor? Sure. So um, first would be creating that sleep-friendly environment, which I think is one of the things you were alluding to. You know, I'm a big proponent of room darkening shades, mm-hmm. uh, really wonderful, um, because I don't think you need to teach your child how to sleep in loud noises or bright lights. We are all meant to sleep in cool, dark, quiet environments, mm-hmm. all of us. Um, so room darkening shades, I really like white noise. Mm-hmm. 
Um, it's great if you live in a noisy neighborhood, they, your neighbor has dogs or they have, you know, need muffler work and leave for work at 5 a.m. or the garbage truck. Um, it also can sometimes help twins sleep through each other's wakings. Mm -hmm. Although, as you know, twins are pretty good at that mm -hmm. uh, to, to begin with. Um, so I think those kinds of things, again, I, you know, I think it's nice to have soothing colors, calming an atmosphere, uh, having a dim nightlight, mm -hmm. you know, enough that you can go into the room, check on the twins, you know, that kind of thing and not fall over something on the, on the ground. And then of course, not too hot, not too cold, right? Mm -hmm. That perfect, like Goldilocks, just right. Um, temperature. And then of course, a safe sleep environment. Yes. Um, which there's more and more, you know, education around um, now. So, so then if that's the environment, then I think the other one is making sleep a priority. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think that, oh, if I nap deprive my baby or child, they'll sleep better at night. And it's actually the exact opposite. They need to be, get good nap time, good day sleep. I like to say fill the daytime sleep tank mm -hmm. to set them up for a better night's sleep, which also usually means finding their ideal bedtime window, which may be hard to find until about six to eight weeks, oh, right? Yeah. It starts late and then it starts to get earlier and earlier over the first uh, four months. So if we could at least have the idea that we're going to have you know, shorter sleeps during the day. And I know this part is everyone's like, what? But I actually would wake your baby during the day um, so they don't miss a feeding, mm -hmm. right? Because you want to, so usually that's at least three hours. Mm -hmm. um, now, some people will be like, please, my twins don't even nap 30 minutes, right? Um, in the beginning. But uh, to, to be able to have that different routine, so light and playing, um, so they see the difference between day and night. Your work, your goal is to have them by the time they get to bedtime, well fed, well napped, and then an early enough uh, bedtime where you're watching their cues. Mm -hmm. And then you're changing the atmosphere um, in the bedroom, turning down the shades, dimming the lights, having a quiet messaging and soothing routine, and then placed into whatever it is, crib or bassinet. Yeah or whatever you, you're choosing to do uh, as a parent for your child. So then when you, if you got to a point where you said, I got this down. Mm -hmm. And usually, by the way, parents start to see that glimmer of a routine that, that comes from the baby even around three to four months, because that's when that internal clock develops. Yeah. So six to eight weeks, we might get one nice little chunk of sleep at night. And then three to four months, we start saying, oh, I noticed they start to get up at seven and then they need a nap at like 839, like a glimmer mm -hmm. of, of, a, of a routine, a schedule. And then we start to see that bedtime um, earlier. So I think those are important ways to kind of stack things yeah. um, in a good direction. You're kind of creating that structure. And then when you feel your baby is ready. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly under six months, it's different for every baby. Oh yeah. Um, between, you know, again, for so many varieties, I always say the bell curve is fat, um, after six months, 
in terms of what you can say for averages. Before that, it's really all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you end up feeling ready, you can start to put your baby down more awake Mm -hmm. um, at bedtime. And there's lots of different gentle strategies that you can do that doesn't, it's not, doesn't mean anymore uh, that it's cry it out or suffer, you know, until they go to college or, you know, high school (laughs) at least, you know? Um, And I'm kind of on a mission for parents to know that. And honestly, for pediatricians to know that too, because I find that if a pediatrician tells a parent, you know, let them cry it out and don't be a wimp, mm-hmm. those parents will either stop going to their pediatric that pediatrician or they just will not share anything. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up because with, with twins, people often feel like there is literally only one method of sleep coaching. And that is it. But there really, that there's not. There's a multitude of ways. And I always try to explain to my students that the way that works is the way that's going to make you happiest. Because if right. you are not happy doing something, it's never going to work. And, you know, right. it is difficult for sometimes for people to do just the whole cry it out in general. Because mm-hmm. especially if you're lactating, it could become a big problem because your breasts will start leaking. And then I always say, like, I remember when we were doing it, I almost turned into like an angry bear. And uh-huh. like biologically, like mm-hmm. I felt that there was a fire in my home and I had to get to those kids. We did yeah. try a lot of methods. I unfortunately, we waited way too long, way too long to even bring in a sleep routine into my real life. So I'm going to go with, the, first of all, the fact that everything you just said, I'm literally taking notes because I always, whenever I talk to you, by the way, I always take notes because I steal all of your information. But um, the things that I hear is so far, if we're talking, so far the mistakes that parents make are, just to reiterate, if you're just listening now or you decided to fast forward because you were falling asleep to the sound of my voice, um, the first one was having unrealistic- Or my voice. Or Kim's voice. Well, you are very soothing because you are the sleep lady. <laughs> That's what happens when I go out to dinner with Kim. I always end up falling asleep. It's usually because of the Tito's and that that's the reason it's not her voice, but she is as gentle as um, her book makes her out to be. And so I would say her method matches her persona, which is very positive and calming. And you, you're going to like, if Kim's at a party, you sit next to her because you're going to have a good time. First of all, she's pretty awesome. But really, it's not aggravating. And even when we gossip about people, it's still very calm. We're not angry. It's not angry gossip. Anyway, going back to why you should love Kim, because I do, is the, the first of all, the, the ex- mistakes we made are, number one, having unrealistic expectations about when our children should sleep and how that's going to happen. Number two is not creating a good sleep environment for our children. So not cold enough, not warm enough, not, you know, it's too bright. So setting the stage for good sleep. Then the next mistake that we're mentioning is making sleep a priority. Many times people are like, oh, it'll happen. What's the big deal? Baby sleep when the baby sleeps. No, making sleep a priority. And then for, so I was kind of going five, four, three. Then I would say the next one, would be to kind of knock yourself out of a sleep schedule that your baby may already have put themselves in. 
So if you notice that they're sleeping, people are like, oh, just let them sleep. But what you're not realizing is that if we let our babies sleep, then we're actually screwing up the next session of sleep. So it instead of looking at sleep as a night, people should be looking at as a 24-hour period because babies need more sleep than they're just going to get in the dark hours. They do need sleep during the day. Now, like, can I ask you the science behind it for a second? And if you could break it down, and here you ready, you have 60 seconds to explain to me why sleep is physiologically important. Okay. Go. Because important things are happening when we're sleeping at night. Our babies are producing and secreting growth hormones largely at night so that they can grow at the incredible rate that they grow. We are all, including adults, building our immune system largely at night. And thirdly, our body and our brain is working on memory retention, organization, and storage, right? This is the foundation of learning. And that's what our kids are doing. They're like little sponges, which mm -hmm. is why if you've ever been sleep deprived yourself, mm -hmm. uh, which all of us parents have, you can't, you have trouble remembering like, did I call that person or did I just think I called that person? Mm -hmm. It's really hard to retrieve that uh, when we're sleep deprived. So it's, it also helps our kids be able to perform better in school when they're older. Yeah. You know, sleep is really, it's right up there with nutrition yes. and exercise. People don't realize that. So I was explaining to the kids the other day, and tell me if this is a good analogy, because I, I sometimes think that when I now explain stuff to a 14-year-old that I have now conquered the art of analogies. So uh -huh. what I tell them is that imagine that your brain is like your keyboard. And all day long, you were eating potato chips over your keyboard. Your keyboard will eventually stop working correctly because of the crumbs that are getting stuck below the E, because that's my most used key, because I can't actually even see the E on my keyboard. And then what sleep do does is sleep is the duster that clears out the crumbs in my keyboard so that the next day... I could start my job again, whatever I'm doing, and I don't have anything stuck. Is that an appropriate analogy? Okay. I like it. Because I mean, I think it's even more powerful than the keyboard. It's more like the hard drive. Oh, they, but, have, they have no idea. Now with a like a smartphone, they, they, they don't know what a hard drive care. is. It's right. not like we had like a giant <laughs> CPU next to us. But I know that my daughter hates when her keyboard has stuff on it and she refuses yeah. to not eat over it like a jerk. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's always food stuck mm -hmm. because she is like mm -hmm. Oscar the Grouch eating like mm -hmm. recklessly like Cookie Monster is how she eats. Mm -hmm. She just shoves things in her face. And so I like I, I was watching a, a show about adult sleep. And they were talking about the importance of clearing your brain out because I always really yeah. thought of sleep as an important for kids because we're in the kids space. And so that's what I know. But it's so much more important for adults. And they were showing the lower incidences of Alzheimer's yeah. and all these other things with sleep. So now I have actually put ready for this, Kim. You're going to be so proud of me. I have put sleep on my to do list. Good for you. So I'm doing it. I'm going to try to get seven hours. I'm not going to guarantee it every day, but I'm going to attempt 
to get seven mm-hmm. hours of sleep a night when I typically get mm-hmm. between four and six. So mm-hmm. four, I'm like, I'm done. Yeah. But, you know, when you are a fancy, pantsy entrepreneur like myself, and then addition to running a family, trying to be a good wife, trying to be a good daughter, sister, volunteer at school and everything, it adds up. So yeah. I am truthfully trying to get in bed at a certain time that I could get a, a guaranteed seven hours. Now, for kids, could you give us like the little chunks on what they should get, you know, during the day? Depend well, depends on their age. Let's right? go brand new, out of the gate, out of the womb. Uh-huh. What are we looking at? So, you know, zero to six months is um, you know, four to five hours. Okay. Uh, and then in that's a 12... in a, like in a, a twelve hour period. Four mm-hmm. to five hours should be filled mm-hmm. with sleep. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And, and then you know they they've just come up with new sleep ranges. The oh, National Sleep Foundation. That. And the thing that I don't like about them is the range is so big. Yeah. That it's like a it, ten hour up... range, a ten hour yeah. wiggle room. And it, I just feel like it's because it was safe to do that. Um, and they don't separate day from night. So this is what I've tend to say is, you know, the, the four to five hours and then 10 at night and then six months, it's around 11, 11 and a half at night, three and a half during the day. Again, these are averages. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, I don't think you should be off the total average by more than an hour. I usually find that's like a pretty nice range there. And then uh, we start to go um, get a little bit less day sleep, mm-hmm. but really we stay at you know that eleven hours of sleep at night for years. Yeah, I mean like your kids could still well maybe not the maybe not fourteen anymore, but when I first knew you when they yes. were younger, they could still use ten ten and a half hours of mm-hmm. sleep. You know, teenagers could probably easily get 10 hours, <laughs> but oh, yeah. school schedules don't permit it. So pretty much like I, what I like to think of is it's like, you know, several naps, sometimes they're short, sometimes they're longer, depending on the baby before six months, then six to nine months is two and a half or three naps during the day. Mm-hmm. And then it's nine to 15 months is two naps during the day. And then 15 to 18 months, they transition to one afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. And then they say the average is to stay at one afternoon nap until four years okay. of age. I have seen a decent number of kids give it up a little earlier, like three and a half. But again, all they have to be sleeping through the night yes. um, to be able to do that. So they, oh, yeah, it's, it's funny that. I love when people are like, oh, we're going to drop, you know, that that nappy cost. We're going to go to music class. I'm like, are you absolutely out of your mind? Why, first of all, why would you do that? Make a different time for a music class or something. You really do. I'm not saying that you should live for your children and, you know, breathe and do everything that has to do with the kids. But I am saying that their sleep schedule is not something you should be screwing with at all. Their sleep schedule should be what dictates the rest of your day because of not only the importance of sleep and the health that it's going to provide to your children, but the sanity it's going to bring to you. If you know that your children are going to get up a few times at night, that means when they're napping, I, you should be napping is really what I would like. But if you don't know that that nap's coming, there is no closing your eyes on the couch for a few minutes. And it is. It's just as important for you to get your sleep when the kids are little than the kids to get their sleep. You have to make that a priority 
for you as well. So yeah, our you know, tip is making it's a priority funny, for everybody. Uh, not, but so often when I have start start to work with the family, they're like, oh, you know, I'm not really a big schedule person or my family's giving me a hard time, you know, and then we get their child sleeping through the night mm -hmm. and taking good naps and they protect that schedule like the gold that it is because then they start messing around with it and all of a sudden things start falling apart. They start getting up at 5 a.m. and then they're like, darn it, we shouldn't have been doing errands during nap time or yeah. we shouldn't have stayed too late at that barbecue or whatever it is because guess who pays? You do. Absolutely. Absolutely <laughs> you know? do you pay. I well, mean, also you have a tired and cranky kid too. Yeah, no, that those are the worst. And I could always tell. Like I could tell now as an experienced mother when it's sleep or just a rotten child. Like cause the, <laughs> sometimes you get like a rotten apple in the bunch. Now, it's actually very, very rare that you would actually have a genuinely rotten child. It's yeah. usually from, you know, they're super hangry or they're super tired. But these are things yeah. that we have to learn as parents. And not every child yeah. is going to exhibit the same cues that their twin may. And that's another confusing thing for twins is that we often assume that one will do what the other one does. And this goes for sleep schedules, too. My yeah. twins personally have very different different sleep schedules and always have since birth. Yep. My son yep. needs his sleep. He is like, yep. and there will be no, it's time to go to bed. My son comes to me now at 14 and says, good night, mom. He's just had it. Right. And meanwhile, my daughter's like, party, let's draw another picture. Let's right. do this. Right, Kim? She's starting her revolution. What is she doing today? <laughs> so they have, you know, they, they, you have to realize that your kids have very different sleep personalities and yep. don't, don't assume yep. one from the other. Have you Which, found that have that twins typically do or is mm -hmm. that the well, odd point the odd I've out? even heard research that says that um, identical twins will ha be more likely to have the same sleep needs mm -hmm. um, than fraternal twins, which makes sense to me because I think like you said with fraternal twins, they, um, they're just, they're like singletons in the sense that they have different personalities. And so one thing that, that may have to happen in, in sleep uh, coaching fraternal twins is that you might have to separate them for, for naps. Yes. Um, I usually like 98% of the time keep the twins in the same room at night. Um, but I definitely have separated them for naps. Sometimes I've separated them at night at night when it's really just one twin we have to work on. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the one that's having a harder time sleeping is waking up the mm -hmm. good sleeper. And so we might temporarily do that, but honestly, most of the time, um, I keep them together yeah. and kind of divide and conquer, you know, like if one twin wakes the other one up, have the other parent go to that twin and just mm -hmm. quickly reassure them. Um, but you might have to separate them for, for naps yes. just to help preserve it. And the other thing too, is that you may have a one twin that's ready to transition to one afternoon nap mm -hmm. before the other one. Oh yeah. Just, really a pain in the neck oh my god in terms of schedule don't remind me um but it happens oh my gosh yes please don't remind me and guys don't get nervous you don't have to buy a new house if you don't have a spare bedroom you could always yeah. use you know a living room you could even use a dining room with blackout shades Absolutely. and also it's not always critical you will eventually get it down it just may take you longer if everybody's in the same room so i don't want anybody yeah. to panic and start no, buying, a, buying a new house oh, like God. kim and does said, and when i said separate i'm thinking like 
put the pack and play in the dining yes, room. Yes, 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 yes. Good. I wanted to clarify that. I don't want my yeah, no, my thanks. urban families who live in tiny apartments to be yeah. like, but Kim said. All right. right. Kim, I'm going to reiterate what we said today. All right. Because, but can I say one more important oh, yeah. priority? Yeah. And yes. that is that when you think you are ready for sleep coaching, I agree with not always pick the method that you feel is the right match for your family and parenting philosophy, your child's temperament, and what you can follow with, through with consistently, because that's the secret sauce um, in probably in parenting in general, Amen, but for sure girl. in sleep coaching. And then when you start uh, sleep coaching, you always start at bedtime after a great day in naps, any way you can get them. I disagree oh. with you on that. You know that. You know that this is where we clash in the the things. So here, to look, here my argument. You don't start at 2 in the morning. No, but you should start at 9 a.m. is what I say. Here's why. Hear me out and listen to me, and then you could argue with me like we always do about this, that we will till we are both dead. So I always say, sleep coaching, it is, I feel like it is so much harder for the parent than it is for the children. And if mm -hmm. people start too late in the day, especially if it's somebody super flying solo, meaning nobody has come in during that day, it is so easy for the mom or dad to throw in the towel and be like, F this, we're starting tomorrow. You know, I'm going to take them. They're going to sleep wherever they sleep better in the bouncy seat. We're going to do this because I just had a super crappy day. Now, you always say start at night when the kids have the best chance of success. So I like I, I feel like if you do Kim's and it's not working and then you do mine and it's not working, guys, you seriously do have to pick one. And so like Kim said, I have said it. I really wish that it was tattooed on my face. Consistency is key. And like Kim said, I, I will guarantee it is not in sleep. It is in parenting. If you change things up, it is not only confusing to you, it is insanely confusing to the children. So figure out what you want to do and do not assume that this is a single person job. Sleep coaching is a team responsibility. Kim just said it before. I tell one parent to do this and I have the other parent do this. Please do not try to take this on your own. Okay, now that is what I said. Now go, Kim. I'm sorry. Well, so look, if a parent feels like they want to start with the morning nap and sleep coaching and they feel like they can be consistent, okay. But the, the only difficulty, potential difficulty with that is that nap coaching is harder. And so it's possible that you could have a whole day of attempted nap coaching and then face bedtime with an extremely overtired child. So if you did want to do that, then I would like to add this caveat. And that would be that come 2, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, you're looking at your log, which I hope you're keeping mm -hmm. so you can see progress. Um, and you say, oh, dear, the sleep tank is really low. Mm -hmm. Then you go for some kind of backup nap plan, stroller, like swing, bouncy, so that we can get to bedtime not running on vapors. Yes. Because bedtime is the easiest time to learn to put yourself to sleep. We have the buildup of what's called sleep pressure. We have darkness that tells the body to secrete melatonin. It is the easiest time to learn the skill, which is why I usually say um, to start at bedtime. And then, of course, as we both have been saying, you have to have your plan for how you're um, going to uh, respond to each night wakings. Um, and most families that I talk to, 
will uh, start sleep coaching at two in the morning because oh, they yeah. just, no, they can't take it. And, and it's really hard to have success when you do yeah. that. You really got to get your teach your child how to do it at the easiest time so that then they can start to apply it throughout the night as the sleep pressure decreases and it becomes harder to go back to sleep. Oh my God. It, it's such a complicated topic, but the thing is it sounds complicated. It's really not. You can do this. If your kids are not sleeping, I swear to you, you got this. And Kim's website literally has everything under the sun. And she does have articles about twin families specifically. She has a fantastic, fantastic sleep coaching program that is available 24 hours a day online. So if you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning and you're like, I can't do this, do not start sleep coaching now. But I will say, go to her website and start researching what you're going to read in the morning so that you could start that weekend. This is not yeah. a hasty decision. You cannot just do this. If your kids aren't sleeping, there's a proper way to do it. Just like I say with potty training, you can't just decide today to potty train. We got a little planning to do. We have to create a little system. We have to create support, and then we put our plan in action. That's how sleep goes. That's how everything with your children will mm -hmm. go from math tutoring mm -hmm. in high school. It's mm -hmm. the same thing. You can't be like, that's it. We're doing this. So I'm going to go through the top five mistakes that parents of twins make when it comes to sleep. Are you ready, Kim? Yep. Having unrealistic expectations. Creating not the best sleep environment or not even considering that there is something called a sleep environment. Okay. The next one is making sleep a priority. So scheduling your day around sleep instead of letting sleep just go where it wants to go. Then the next one is once we have that schedule, it's protecting that sleep schedule. Trying to stay on course so that our days could be predictable not only for the twins but for us as well. And then the biggest mistake that parents of twins make when it comes to sleeping is assuming that your twins will have the same sleep habits. Did I do good, Kim? This you is what that. I've deciphered out of our discussion. I can make a list like nobody's business. I love me a good list. Well, guys, listen, Thank unfortunately, you. we have to say goodbye to Kim because she truthfully has families that need coaching today. So we cannot keep her, although this would be a seven hour podcast. But Kim, <laughs> would you be willing to do another podcast with me on adult sleep? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. I think that I think it's important for us. And as the kids get bigger, um, like my kids' age, I think it's important that not only do we have good sleep routines ourselves, but that we model good sleep habits. So we, I would love to talk about that. I would enjoy that if you would do that with me. So mm -hmm. you're willing? Mm-hmm. Okay, Absolutely. good. I'd like to get you know, it on the record. It also would be a great topic is to talk about children in sleep, meaning the older kids who are in beds. Oh, God. Or transitioning. <gasps> All right, guys, there's a lot more of, of Kim in our future, which is great. But if you don't want to have Kim end for your life either, like I never do, so go to thesleeplady.com. She is the sleep lady on all social, and there are social links on her website. Her website, I'm telling you, is the crown jewel of sleep information. So please make sure that you check that out. And her book, The Sleep Lady's Good Night Sleep Tight, is available nationwide on Amazon, in bookstores, or literally just do it. And if you need Kim, you could get 
get her on every social and you could just send her a direct message on Facebook, on Instagram. It will get to her. And if you're like, I don't know, is Kim going to answer my question? I just have to ask this question. Then you send me the question. You email community at twiniversity.com or you send us a direct message on every single social media platform in the universe. Even the ones that don't exist yet, I've already secured the name Twiniversity. I, I assure you, I am on top of it. But guys, until next time, Kim, thank you so much. What? Tell us your last bit. Two things. One is my e. I have an e-course. This is the one that you said that they yes. can get twenty-four-seven. It's only twenty-nine dollars. What? Try to be really affordable. I thought it was crazy expensive. Um, and of course, my book is available on Amazon. But I like to make this declaration to everybody: is that if you uh, go to your local library and you do not see my book there, mm-hmm. then write me, assistant at sleeplady.com. Send me your library's address, and I will send them a copy of my book. I love you me too girl I'm a big deal (laughs) I love when my book is in libraries I actually gave it to a local library and my friend is a librarian and I like to check in to see if anybody actually checked it out I was like, just because it's there, is anybody checking it out? Could you see? <laughs> and so far, we've had one person check it out, and I knew that person. That person just <laughs> wanted to read it because I wrote it. I was like, so guys, Kim, I love you so much. I really, 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 really do love you, even the love new beast you. that lives in your house. I'm so <laughs> glad that you are a part of my life, and I'm so glad that you continuously not only help me, but my uh, community at large. So yeah, we've I'm gone on way too here long. For you. you are, and I do love that. Like, God forbid I ever murdered somebody and needed to move a body truthfully I would call Kim I'd be like is there a swamp is there a swamp in Baltimore let's hope we don't have to do something like that listen Kim you know what I leave all possibilities open I'm sure this will be used as evidence at some point in my life all right all right Kim thank you so much and guys thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoy this conversation there's a lot more conversations left over on our podcast I don't even know what they're about because every single minute I feel like I'm taping something new but I have They're there for you. Everything that I do, literally, everything that I do, I do it for you. I do not do it for me. I did not have Kim when my twins were growing up, and holy crap, I regret not having Kim's when my Kim when my twins were growing up. This does not have to happen for you. So go find Kim and go head over to twiniversity.com if you have not attended one of our classes yet. I know that you probably have, and that's probably how you know me. But also don't forget we have our little book called What to Do When You're Having To that is also available nationwide wide and libraries and yeah that's where i am so guys until next time thank you so much for listening and i will see you later alligators bye-bye guys